0: Just kind of recount uh, what happened last week. Of course, Ruth chapter 1, we're thrown with a, a lot of different information, but we're, you know, we're setting the stage. We're getting to know the people uh, that are in uh, this, this book. Um, and again, as this book is referred to as Ruth, but really Naomi is kind of the, the person that we're kind of following her uh, faith, uh, her, her life uh, throughout these, uh, these different chapters. And we're going to see, again, where she goes um, you know, she leaves, uh, she leaves Bethlehem to go to Moab, uh, and there she's there with her family. She, uh, her family grows by having two daughter in laws marry her two sons. But then, of course, we see the tragedy as well that happens in Moab while she's there, where she loses her husband, and then she loses her two sons uh, to death, and she's left with the two daughter in laws. And, of course, uh, because she finds out that there's food back home in, in Israel, in Bethlehem. Uh, they, after ten years, they head that way. Uh, but of course, um, we recall that Naomi, you know, she says to her two daughter-in-laws, you know, just go back home, right? Go back and start your lives over. Go and marry someone else, have children with them, uh, and have a family. Because I can't provide that for you anymore. And of course, Orpah, one of the daughter daughter-in-laws, decides to do that. But it's Ruth who clings to Naomi, right? And we see just this great. Example of devotion uh, of this woman Ruth that she says, "Where you go, I will go. Where you die, I will die. You know, whoever your God is, that will be my God." And of course, that is a pretty um, telling thing about Naomi, about her life and the influence that she had uh, on Ruth over those ten years. And so they go back to Bethlehem, of course. But you know, Ruth. Recall, you know, Ruth. She is. She's an out of towner. She's uh, a refugee, if you will. She's. Uh, she's not an Israelite, and so uh, she's going to have a tough time going here to uh, Israel, But uh, moving into this foreign land. But because of her devotion to Naomi, her mother-in-law, she does that. And so uh, this, this morning's lesson, we're going to center around this idea of providence. Right? Providence. Uh, what is providence? Let's throw that out here. Let's get this out of the way. What is providence? God's plan, God's will. Uh, yeah, the, the word providence we're not going to find in Scripture, but the idea is there, right? Um, God working through His established uh, laws uh, to enact His good, right? Um, it's the opposite of miracles that we read about in the in the Bible. Actually, um, one one preacher said this, and I just uh, it's uh, you know it's always stuck with me. But he says it's easier to understand a miracle than it is to understand providence, right? Because when, when a miracle occurs in the New Testament, you know, God assigns, or in the Old Testament and New Testament, you know, God, you know, he assigns his name to it, right? You can understand. You can see it. You can see, you know, the, the Red Sea parting, right? Uh, we understand that's a miracle. But with providence, you know, you don't see that. You can't see providence. It's God working in the shadows, God working uh, behind the scenes, right? Because he knows our needs better than us. You know. As a parent, you might tell your child in the wintertime as they're going outside um, to, or as you know, you're leaving the house, you know, take your winter coat and they'll kind of fight ya, you know, and say, I don't need it, you know, I'm warm enough. But as your parent, you know, you know that it's going to get cold outside and they're going to get cold and they're eventually going to need it even though they are fighting it now. Right, that's kind of how providence works. You know, God knows our needs better than we do, better than we understand, and he's going to provide for us uh, even when we don't think we need, even need to know it. Have you experienced providence? Well, let me ask you that. Have you experienced providence in your own life? Uh, can you think of an example? And I guess you know we don't need to take the time to, uh, for everyone to let us know, but hopefully you have, right? Hopefully you've seen God's providence work in your life that, man, it, you know, something just worked out at the right minute, right? Maybe it was that person who came and knocked on your door uh, one day and said, Hey, could I have a Bible study with you? You never went to church. You didn't know anything about religion or the Bible, but uh, somebody came to your door. Well, was that, was that just by chance? Or was that God working in your life, right? Was that God's providence? Um, you know, we see this throughout the Bible, right? Uh, you remember Joseph? You know, going back to Joseph in Genesis chapter 50, you know, he said uh, to his brothers, remember, uh, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good, right? Talking about how he was sold into slavery. Um, Philemon in the New Testament, you know, Paul says, perhaps uh, this is the reason why, you know, um, you know I'm reaching out to you, uh, to Onesimus and Philemon. And, you know, that's a whole other story. Uh, Esther, you know, we're going to study Esther. Providence is an Esther, right? You remember... Uh, Esther, uh, you know, maybe it's because perhaps for just a time as this you exist, right? For for this moment, uh, to save your people, and Romans um, Romans eight twenty eight. 28, you know, I always think of that verse when it comes to providence. For, um, and now I'm I'm losing it. I'm, <laughs> I had it and I lost it. Romans eight twenty eight. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So, you know, that's what we're going to see in this morning's lesson is we're going to see the providence of God working in the life of these people. And again, uh, we said this last week, but who is Ruth related to? Or eventually going to who's Ruth's great grandson? David, right? Uh, David, And of course, you know, David, growing up, probably heard these stories of uh, his great-grandmother, you know, Shirley, of how she came to uh, Bethlehem, losing everything uh, with nothing. And I just wanted to read um, Psalm 37, because I think this fits well with what we're talking about this morning. But Psalm 37, again, if, is he thinking about his grand, great-grandmother Ruth when he writes this? I don't know. But in Ruth, or excuse me, in Psalm 37... Uh, verse twenty three, David writes, "The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and his, and He delights in His way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. I have been uh, young, and now I am old; yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, or his descendants begging bread. All day long he is gracious and lends, and his descendants are a blessing." Right? Again, I don't know if David's thinking about uh, Ruth when he's writing that, but you know, not to see the righteous forsaken, right? Because God is working in their lives. And so, uh, in in Ruth chapter two, we're going to find Ruth being at the right place, uh, by, uh, at the right time, uh, in a field owned by the right man. And again, is this a coincidence or is this God's unforeseen hand? Uh, In action. So let's jump right in. Again, I know we're pressed a little for time this morning, but let's read the first 13 verses here in Ruth chapter 2. Now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, "'Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, after one in whose sight I may find favor.' And she said to her, "'Go, my daughter.' So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? The servant in charge of the reapers replied, She is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and has remained from the morning until now. She has been sitting in the house for a little while. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and came to a people that did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work. And your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and indeed have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Okay, so uh, obviously, you know, Ruth and Naomi, they come back to Bethlehem and they are both widows, right? And so... Uh, they've got to secure a way to get food, right? And uh, they don't have uh, their husbands anymore, and they need a way to uh, have food provided for them. And so uh, Ruth, of course, speaks up here and says, you know, I'll do it. Uh, We see her willingness to work. Obviously, that's a great attribute. Um, But look at verse 1 again. How is Boaz described as we are introduced to Boaz? How is he described to us? a man of great wealth, right? So that's interesting. So they, um, you know, obviously Naomi knows of Boaz, uh, they don't go to Boaz, right? They don't go and say, Hey, uh, we are your relatives. We are, uh, really in need of some, you know, of some food and, and protection and and that type of thing. But Ruth here on the get go says, listen, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to work. And, uh, And and she gets her permission, by the way. We've noticed she gets her permission at first uh, to go and do this. And again, um, this is pretty impressive, isn't it? Uh, Don't we wish all uh, young people acted that way? uh, That they uh, would um, want to show that similar respect, right, to to those who are older than them? That, hey, you know, I'm going to provide for you, right? And so... um, now again, it's important to consider how vulnerable Ruth must have felt, right? Because she's going to have to go and uh, work in other people's fields. Um, I've always been interested in this word "gleaning," right? i ne- I never heard of that word "gleaning" until I, uh, you know, started studying uh, the Book of Ruth. Uh, what does that word "glean" mean? Sorry. Yeah. To gather. Yeah, it's to gather, to collect, but not necessarily like in a big chunk, right? But uh, to go along, to collect um, bit by bit, right? And and you're only going to find this word glean in the Old Testament. Actually, 50% of the time is it here in Ruth chapter 2. So that word comes up quite a bit. But uh, she's going to glean the fields of others. Now, why is Ruth able to glean the fields of others? Right, So uh, the law of Moses, um, here's, a, here's a verse in Leviticus chapter 23. The, the, the Israelites were told this, uh, Leviticus 23 verse 22. When you reap the harvest of your land, moreover, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor gather the gleaning of your harvest. You are to leave them for the needy and the alien. I am the Lord your God. And then if I flip to Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 19, a very similar passage here that says, When you reap your harvest in your field and have forgotten a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back and get it. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow, in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So, Ruth, again, living in Israel... And, you know, and, and this is probably something that she learned from uh, Naomi, or maybe her husband, was that the Israelite people, you know, when they would harvest a the field, they were to leave the corners there, right? Don't harvest in the corner because that's going to be a way for God to provide for uh, the orphans, for for the, the needy, right? And then that verse in Deuteronomy said, even if you, you know, if you left a sheaf in the middle of the field, don't go back and get it, right? Just leave it there. And that's how, um, you know, those people, uh, the people who are in need of that can get that, right? But uh, now, was it always practiced? Now, uh, uh, we don't have time to go into this passage, but Amos chapter 8 talks about how, you know, people would, um, you know, they wouldn't practice this. They, they were too greedy, and so they wouldn't leave the corners or leave, uh, leave some uh, provisions for the needy. But, um, again, here we have Ruth. She understands that, you know, uh, under Israelite law that she can go and glean in these fields. But again, she's a foreigner, so she's got to be uneasy about this. But we read there in verse 3 that uh, she comes to uh, the field of Boaz. Um, my my version says she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz. And I even have a footnote that says that, um, that the word says that she... Uh, she chanced by chance, or her chance chanced upon her, right? She just happened to be in the right place at the right time uh, in the in this field uh, that was owned by Naomi's relative. Um, again, is this coincidence, or you know, is this God's plan in motion, right? And uh, <clears throat> and so Boaz comes on the scene, right? And he and uh, he. Uh, learns about her. Who is this woman, he asks, and uh, the servant in charge tells uh, all about her and her past. And so Boaz, you know, again, he has some knowledge now of who she is, and uh, he's going to be pretty um, uh, lenient with her, right? Uh, he's going to grant her petition to, to glean in his fields, and then he's going to give her some uh, more, you know, more than she even asked for. Uh, in what ways did Boaz... That we just read show unusual kindness to Ruth. Well, one thing he said was, uh, "You don't you don't have to go glean in another field, right?" He said, "Stay here in my field, glean from my field only." Uh, did he did he say anything else to her? Okay, he called her an affectionate name, right, gave her some confidence. Um, yeah, he, he said, you know, stay by my close women, right? Stay, um, stay by them. Um, he commanded his servants not to touch her, right? But to leave her alone, right? Because, again, she's is, she is a foreigner from uh, another nation. And, uh, you know, so, so leave her alone. Uh, when you're thirsty, go to the vessels that my young men have drawn and drink from them. You know, it's sort of like a boss giving a new employee a tour of, you know, of the job for the first day. Right. Uh, you know, he's again, he, he's being exceptionally kind to her. And of course, uh, Ruth says, why have I found favor in your eyes since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answers that question, doesn't he? Uh, why, why is he being kind to her? Yeah, He knows who she is now, and he's heard the stories. She's seen, he, she's, or he's seen her commitment. Uh, verse 11, again, he says, All that you have done for your mother-in-law uh, after death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. Has anyone ever rewarded you for kindness before? Do you remember, I guess, that as maybe a child in school, maybe you know, your teacher would give you like the helper award or something like that, and maybe you'd get some credit or uh, you know, a candy bar or something like that? I mean, do you think as adults we should still do that? I mean, not necessarily give somebody an award or a candy bar, but you know, appreciate their, someone's kindness. You, you are seeing somebody being kind to somebody else. Should we not uh, maybe say something about that? Pointed out, wow, that that was extremely kind to you. That makes me want to be a better person, right? And so, um, so I mean, this is a great example of Boaz, right? That he sees uh, he sees this kindness in Ruth, and he is rewarding her for that. And uh, again, she's she's not here for any entitlement reasons or anything, right? She is being humble. She wants to work, and he is rewarding her for that. Let's look at verses 14 through 17. Uh, So at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here that you may eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. And so she sat beside the reapers and he served her roasted grain and she ate and was satisfied and had some left. And when she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his servant saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not insult her. Also, you shall purposely pull out for her some grain from the bundles and leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an an epa of barley. So again, uh, we see Boaz is being extremely kind to her, right? Uh, He's uh, Well, first of all, we notice they're eating lunch together. Um, Was it common for people of different... um, Nationalities, different races uh, in scripture to eat together? No. Is, I mean, we could think of back in Genesis with the Egyptians and the Israelites, you know, they wouldn't eat together. Or we could think of in Galatians chapter 2 with the Jews and the Gentiles, right? Uh, they wouldn't eat together. But again, here, here's Boaz, um, you know, not, not being prejudicial, eating with uh, Ruth, you know, again, giving her plenty. So much so that she has uh, leftovers, and she's actually going to take that back to Naomi. And again, here is here he is again providing for her. Right? He, he tells his his reapers, um, let her reap even among the sheaves. Right? They, they've already been gathered. The the reapers have already done the hard work, and he says, let her pick from that, or drop some on the ground, and uh, let her be served that way as well. Right? Let let her pick up from that. Right? Don't. Um, You know, don't do anything that would uh, hinder her from uh, getting this food. Now, I just kind of want to point this out. I was just thinking about this the other day. But again, uh, he says there in verse 16, let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Right. So he's kind of providing for her that way. Uh, Do you think that Boaz is kind of setting her up for success here? Is it a good thing that he's doing this? Yeah, I think so, right? I, th- I think any good leader would um, try to uh, set people up for success, right? Uh, by leaving some of this there on this first day that she comes to glean, you know, she's going to be encouraged. Uh, she's going to feel like she's put in a hard day's work, right? She's, And so <clears throat> I think that's a great lesson that we can learn right there as well is to help others uh, succeed, right? Set them up for success as well, and so uh, we're told there at the very end of that verse. Again, I'm sorry for rushing to through, but verse 17 says that she brought an ephah of barley, and uh, an ephah is approximately 30 to 50 pounds, right? So we're we're to be impressed uh, what she brings back to Naomi on that on that day of working in. Uh, Boaz's field, right? This wasn't just a little bit, but this was 30 to 50 pounds of a substance that she is providing uh, the household for. So uh, again, we are to be overwhelmed here with Boaz's generosity. Uh, Let's finish the chapter of starting in verse 18. We've got about five minutes left. Uh, She took it up and went into the city and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also took it out and gave Naomi what she had left After she was satisfied, her mother-in-law then said to her, Where did you glean today, and where did you work? May he who took notice of you be blessed. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed of the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. Again, Naomi said to her, This man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Then Ruth the Moabitess said, Furthermore, he said to me, You shall stay close to my servants until they have finished all my harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his maids so that others do not fall upon you in another field. So she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. And she lived With her mother-in-law. Okay. So uh, obviously Ruth here is. um, Excuse me. Naomi. She's obviously pleased. With uh, what Ruth has provided. But what is she even more. um, Thrilled about. Uh, That's. You know. Boaz's field right. That she is. Again. She was there. At the right place. At the right time. I mean. Even think about that. Boaz was actually there at the field that day, right, and having that conversation with uh, one of his servants, uh, finding out who she is. And so, because of all that, again, I think we can see God's providence uh, working within this chapter. And uh, and so she's elated. Uh, she mentions that he is a relative of ours, one of our closest. Now, is is Boaz going to be the closest relative to them, male relative? No, we'll we'll find out in chapter four that there's a relative that's even closer, and, and that's important. And we'll we'll see that here in the next a couple of chapters because uh, because of you know the the, the leverite marriage um, process, right? Uh, and it's not that we don't have to get into that the, the, this morning, uh, but uh, you recall that you know in, in the Jewish culture, right? If uh, if a man dies, then you know his his wife is to um, try to marry, you know, his brother, uh, if he has any other brothers that are unmarried. And so we'll we'll look at those passages next time. But again, we see here that you know this is really setting up what this whole story is about. Uh, about this man Boaz, who's going to be uh, their redeemer, the, their kinsman redeemer. And so, um, so we'll we'll notice that here. Um, but I just want to point out one more thing before we close um, although the activity of this chapter again surrounded Ruth and Boaz it was Naomi's faith that was again affected for the better right because now we, we see Naomi who says at the end of the chapter she, one she said call me bitter Mar- yeah Mara uh, call me bitter. But now she is, um, you know, she is encouraged now, right? We're seeing her faith uh, starting to grow back up again, right? After losing her husband and, and sons, uh, we're seeing uh, her faith starting to, again, start to go up. Uh, because remember last chapter, she was she was kind of blaming God, wasn't she? She's saying, you know, God has dealt bitterly with me. God's doing this towards me. But now she's saying, you know, blessed, blessed be the God who has, You know, brought this man into our lives. And again, um, it's just, you know, think of your example, right? Think of your Christian example and how it affects people that, you know, you don't even realize. Right? Naomi is being, excuse me, yeah, Naomi is being uplifted by the faith of Boaz, by the way Boaz is treating them. And they haven't even talked to each other us so far yet in this account and so um don't ever underestimate your example to the others around you right um because it is encouraging and and again if you see someone with that act of kindness you know be be a boaz and reward them right and so uh we'll leave it at that we'll jump back or we'll jump into chapter three here next week appreciate everyone this morning and uh, brother jimmy's got our closing prayer for us